In today's gospel, we have possibly one of the most consoling verses of the New Testament, where Jesus promises rest to those who are weary and overburdened. I don't know if anybody needs that today. Maybe the idea of rest just brings up to your mind a really good night's sleep. And if so, you need to find that time for that sleep. Or maybe you're desperately in need of a holiday. Well, you need to find that. But today, Jesus is promising something far bigger than that. The rest that is promised in the Gospels is linked to shalom, of peace, of flourishing in its fullest sense. It's a state of profound freedom to be fully who we are without contending, without striving to become something that we should be. I don't know if this sounds suspiciously modern, but it is a very biblical concept. And perhaps even more, more seriously you're wondering, well, that's just a nice idea and it's too good to be true. Maybe you think, well, I know a lot of Catholics who are very faithful and uh, I don't see them in this profound rest that you're talking about. And even more, you read the lives of the saints, they suffered. And I don't know whether that is what you mean by rest. Thinking of that, this week I was um, drawn to a news article um, about Nicaragua. I don't know much about Nicaragua, at least I didn't know till uh, today. Apparently it's the largest country in the Central Americas, even though it has only 6 million people. It caught my eye because of the stance of a brave bishop in that country, and his stance is against the totalitarian government, resulting in him being thrown into prison. He was offered the option of going into exile, which he refused because his place was with his people, and he also further demanded that the government release the political prisoners, particularly the priests whom they had imprisoned, and also reinstate the bank accounts which it had shut down of some Catholic charities. You don't argue with a totalitarian government, it can go only one of two ways, and the usual way it goes is that you go down, and he was thrown into prison, where his health is apparently deteriorated, and uh, he is in not that great a shape, but he knows where he belongs. Even the nuncio, the papal envoy, had encouraged him to leave, but he refused. Is this bishop flourishing in prison, cut off from all he expected to do as a bishop? Is this what he signed up for? Does he really have the rest that Jesus promised? And how is it that he is peacefully able to stand his ground both against his opponents but also his friends like the nuncio? As we come to this verse, Jesus has just finished talking about the towns where he has performed his greatest miracles, Shurazin and Bethsaida, and they have refused to believe in him. After his ministry seemed to reach dizzying heights of success, so many following him, the people did not actually believe in him, and finally he ended up on a cross. In other words, he had failed. And at the same time, the gospel in this verse gives us a snapshot of Jesus' inner life, unaffected by what was happening outside. There are people who don't believe in him, this is the Son of God, yet he is filled with the joy and light of the Father, whom he knows and from whom he receives his identity as the unique Son of the Father. In other words, Jesus is not trying to perform and become something through what he does. He is simply the Son of the Father, and he acts out of that being. And if people don't believe him, it doesn't change who he is, and he is not going to lose his joy, even though he grieves over his people who don't believe. And when Jesus is talking about those who are overburdened and laboring, he is talking about something quite specific in its context. 
It is a labor of performance because we are burdened with an ideal of who or what we think we are meant to be. Let me repeat that. It's a labor of performance because we are burdened with an ideal of who we think we should be. In other words, we are always performing in order to find acceptance. And living in that space of constant performance is incredibly stressful. I don't know if that sounds familiar. Let me delve into a couple of examples from work and relationships. A 2018 study apparently found that millennials overwhelmingly suffered from what they labeled multidimensional perfectionism. Apparently, they set unrealistically high goals for themselves and experienced a terrible brokenness when they inevitably fell short of that goal. This is a vulnerability. It leads to a vulnerability to workaholism. Workaholism is different from working hard or being busy. Sometimes you can't avoid being incredibly busy. Jesus was so busy, he hardly slept. He managed to doze off in the middle of a storm. I don't know how he did that. It says sometimes his disciples hardly had time to eat. But when he was doing so much good, Jesus could also lay it all down and willingly go to the cross. He wasn't a workaholic. Workaholism means I get my identity from working. However hard I work, I also feel I'm never good enough because I'm competing with everyone I know and don't know. Always. It can also be true of those not officially working. I've decided I'm going to be a super mom who is going to raise the most talented child possible. Uh, nobody asked me to do so, but this is my commitment. And I'm competing with every other parent there is. Everyone becomes a threat to me. Every child's success means that have I question myself about whether I have done the same for my child. Finally, I'm just stressed. I'm not in a state of rest, rest because I'm performing for everyone and mostly for myself. Then think of relationships. Sometimes I cling to friends who are not really friends who are using me, but I'm desperate for their approval while neglecting those who really care about me. It's performance. Now think about the bishop who was able to let go of his work as a bishop and go to prison where he is rendered useless in some ways. Think about how he was able to say no to both his enemies and his friends because he was clear about his identity where it comes from. He was not clinging to anyone's approval. That's freedom. Now, this, a variant of this relationship performance, and this might be sound shocking, is cohabitation. Other than the moral issues involved, what is not noticed is that it is a relationship of performance. Now, people will immediately protest. I decided to cohabit because I loved my boyfriend, not because of anything else. We decided to cohabit because we wanted it to be a preparation for marriage, whatever. But cohabitation is possibly the worst preparation for marriage because it is completely antithetical to what marriage is about. In Christian marriage, I say, I choose you and I love you and I will be with you whatever happens, come what may. I will learn to love you by the grace of God. I give my life and love as a gift to you. That is incredibly freeing to be in that space. The premise of cohabitation is just the opposite. It says, I want to know whether you can love me the way I want, whether you are good enough for me, and then I might make a commitment to you. Also, I might walk out for whatever reason. Maybe someone better is on the horizon and I decide to walk out. Whatever it is, you are in a, in a place of performance. 
even though most people will never think about this they don't consciously go into cohabitation uh, thinking about these things they go for most times good reasons but it is bad it is terrible and it leads usually not to great place 50% of marriages end in divorce which are who have been cohabiting it is not in other words a state of rest you have to be you have to perform to be accepted so what do you do when you find yourself weary and overburdened jesus gives three things in the gospel well first he says come to me and this is important we have to take note this is not just another verse to let it skip by no jesus is telling us come to me jesus is our compassionate high priest and he comes gently without violence as we hear in the first reading he doesn't tell you in other words sort out your life before you come to me no he just says come to me with your burden with your problem with the mess that you're in and we always act in violence when we try to sort ourselves out this is the way of the world i'm I realize I'm being too strict with my child when I watched this video and so now I suddenly take off all constraints and leave my child confused. I'm in this impossible situation with my relationship and I decide I either have to put up with it regressively or violently go against it. Jesus says, "No, don't worry. Whatever it is, just come to me first and I will show you a way." Maybe there is no solution as far as you can see, but Jesus said, "I am the way." it's not your problem it is his he is the way when there is no way second jesus tells take my yoke upon you the yoke is what ties two oxen together or a horse to a cart we are all already yoked to different things to people it is what i'm performing for what is driving my life and jesus says be yoked to me instead from where you get your identity i will be your standard i will be your guide from me you can know that you are a son of the father because i give it to you as a gift then you don't have to perform you receive it as a gift by being yoked to me that is freeing and third learn from me which means to be a disciple being yoked to jesus means i receive my identity from him but i also have to learn every day how to live out that identity i do that through my prayer by watching jesus by reading the scriptures by walking with him by asking him to walk with me then he shows me as the son who sets me free in every situation what it is to navigate as the son of the father how to walk in this freedom this bishop i think from the little that i know i have a lot of respect for him just from what i have followed he seems to have found something of his identity in christ he could be at rest in this place of constraint he could he was he is flourishing in this place in this prison because he has learned what it means to be a son of the father which he has received in jesus christ and this is the gift that christ wants to offer us in today's eucharist